Hello, welcome back to Anime in the Sea to Sky. Uh, I do apologize for a little bit of the delay over the past one and a few episodes. I'm trying to get organized with Johnny so we can finally put out part two of the One Piece live action, comparing it to the original anime and the manga run that it was able to go through, as it is still running, I guess, technically. But we're just trying to iron out the final talking points about it, and then we'll try to get that out to you as soon as possible. But until then, we kind of have a bit of news to catch up on, considering that most of the pieces of September I still haven't covered. So I guess in terms of a couple of announcements to new shows getting sequels, we do have Kimini Todoke, From Me to You, which is going to be getting a sequel to its anime run that was back in 2009 to 2011, and we're going to be seeing how the majority of the relationship between our two main leads is going to be moving forward, considering that I think I only just recently watched Kimi ni Todoke last year, and to be fair, it is one of the better shoujo romances that I've seen come out to it in the past long while. So, at the very least, considering that this is going to be continuing on, that was one of the only negative points that I could give the original show, is that it doesn't necessarily have an ending, and we don't really have an opportunity to go through and see how the relationship blossoms towards the rest of the series, but at the very least, it seems like this sequel is going to be giving us the opportunity to explore where essentially they're able to go. And then the second production IG announcement that they're able to go through is that they are doing a new Kinikuman anime that is going to be a sequel to the previous run that they were able to go through, and this is going to be premiering in 2024. Now, Kinikuman is definitely not the first thing that comes to mind whenever it comes to this name, because back on the 4Kids Saturday Morning lineup, they had a couple of things along their catalog in terms of Digimon, Cardcaptor Sakura, Pokemon... Spider Riders, Kirby right back at ya, and then the one in particular that they were able to localize out to us was Ultimate Muscle. And I really do think that if you have not gone out to listen to the uh, opening TV spot that they were able to go through and give to that, it is a phenomenal action comedy romp that they were able to go through and fit everything that you need for any kind of an introduction to that show. So, unfortunately, odds are I'm not necessarily going to be giving it a watch, but to be fair, the fact that we're still going to be getting a revitalization of this series after so many years is still enough to give a, is still enough to put a smile on my face. And then it seems where a kind of double-edged sword is also coming into this next announcement in the sense that we are going to be getting a third season of Yuru Camp, or Blade Back Camp in this case. Now, the only awkward thing towards the rest of it is that, yes, it does look a little different, considering that they are changing the animation studio from C-Station to 8-Bit. On top of the fact that we are going to be getting a new director as well as a new series composition lead for this piece. So, yeah, from the opening visual, at least, that they were able to give to us and the reveal and the tiny clip that we ended up seeing everything does seem a lot more flat and the compositions between the real life aspects and objects that they put into the frame are kind of clashing with the character designs that we have now it's it's going to be something that still is a nice calming thing to watch once it comes out next year but i'm kind of curious to see how that change in staff is going to affect the overall feel and tone as the series moves forward also, Right Stuff has finally completely phased out its old website and has migrated all of its products over to the Crunchyroll store, and it will finally be able to complete all renditions and takeovers toward the rest of it by October 10th. So, 
yeah, sure, it's, there's only so much you can do considering that, I mean, right stuff, I will admit, it was nice to have that opportunity, I did end up getting both my Your Name Blu-ray and my In This Corner of the World Blu-ray, both from Right Stuff, and so it was great to have the opportunity to at least get a little bit from them, even though it was pretty pricey for a Canadian such as myself. But at the very least, considering the amount of stuff that they're going to have to rotate and change, especially when it comes to their 18 Plus products, is definitely going to be a little sketchy, and I'm really curious to see if they actually implemented that new 18 plus store that they said was in the works, but at this point only time will tell how the rest of it goes, but I'm really curious to see how the ad reads are going to be going for the Anime World Order podcast, considering that Right Stuff used to be one of their main sponsors, and now that this is going to be moving forward into October, that might not be so similar. And then a couple of release dates were able to come through over the past couple of weeks in the sense that uh, the Scott Pilgrim anime is going to be debuting on Netflix on November 17th, so I can't wait for that to essentially pop up on my feed after I find the opportunity to go through and rewatch the film. I am not one that has read the comic or the graphic novel at this point towards the rest, so most of this is just going to be a completely new perspective on me considering that I know that there were a liberty, a couple of changes inside of the live action that Edgar Wright was able to direct. But seeing how they're going to be able to transition this into an anime series, only time will tell to see how the rest of it goes, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see all of the original actors and actresses come back to voice all of the characters, where it's going to be a really good flash to the past, and also curious to see how the production as well as the transition from live action to animated is going to affect the overall story. Now, if you are in Vancouver... The Boy and the Heron is going to be making its Canadian debut, I believe, on Friday, October 6th, as well as October 7th on the Saturday, which is something that I'm definitely going to try to find the opportunity to go through. It's only going to be standing room as well as lineups only, so I'm really curious to see how long I'm going to have to wait. Am I going to go through and probably get burned again, just like I did when I tried to go see weathering with you at TIFF to wait eight hours only to be turned away, 10 spots back from the opportunity to go through into the movie theater. So we're just going to have to wait and see how the rest of that goes. I have no expectations for this film at all, even though it has been a long, long time since Miyazaki has been able to solo direct a project towards coming out of Studio Ghibli. So I'm definitely curious as how most of that is going to turn around, but it definitely seems like it's going to be more of a personal story leading towards his youth, and legitimately, I cannot wait to see how that turns out and gets translated into the big screen. And just after this episode comes out, we've got a second season of Shorzy, which I'm definitely going to be jumping into, as well as the new season of Castlevania, as well as the new season of Castlevania, just hitting Netflix. So I'm definitely excited to see how the rest of those turn out, especially with the sequels to both of these being franchises that I do love for various reasons, definitely in between. But now, getting back into the talk about anime, summer 2023 has been a bit of a mixed bag, but mostly a flatline, not necessarily of quality, but there wasn't necessarily too many big stinkers, and there wasn't something that was head and shoulders above the rest. It was a very median kind of season, with a couple of things in between, as well as talking points depending on shows, some of which I watched, some of which I didn't, but it's kind of just... A little bit average as to where most of the things that came out in the season ended up turning out. 
But at least for the shows that I'm looking forward to and that I'm going to be watching leading into the fall of 2023, uh, so a couple of the things I've got is going to be the second half of the third season of Dr. Stone, second half of the second season of Agent Magus Bride, uh, just the entirety of the new Spy Family second season. The show that my partner and I are going to be watching, which is something that I'm kind of curious about, which is going to be The Apothecary Diaries, since it definitely seems like a more, not necessarily modern, but a historically based version of Snow White with the Red Hair. And Snow White was definitely like one of my favorite romances towards the 2010s, considering how well they're able to go through and merge all the ships with their natural chemistry as the rest of it goes, but it definitely seems like what the Apothecary is going to be able to do is put this in more of like a feudal East Asian setting, but almost with a similar vein as to how the Apothecary is going to be moving out with the upper-class people that she ends up getting involved with, and with the potential pieces for a romance thrown in between. So, definitely curious to see how that's going to be going. And recently at Anime Revolution, I was able to go through and meet the sound director for another show that I'm kind of interested in watching next season, which is going to be the firefighter Daigo, and Takeshi Takadera, who is the sound director, who at this point in time has worked on properties like Yoi Mushi Petal and the aforementioned Yuru Camp. It was great to see his perspective and what his stories were like getting into the industry as a whole, and how... A lot of the projects that he works on and the three core basic sound points that he tries to merge together as seamlessly as possible so they kind of complement each other well, which in this case would be voice acting, soundtrack, and background noise. And it was really interesting to see how he was able to make that work and how he was able to merge the three of them together and to kind of like see how interested he was towards the rest of it. Oh yeah, and I mean, I was kind of trying to think about why he was able to come out in the first place, because most of Anime Revolution was a very uh, Oshinoko kind of based thing, since they had uh, Takeshi Takadera, who was the sound director for Oshinoko, they had voice actors and actresses from it, they ended up having posters being given away for a couple of the events that they ended up holding out, so it was a really uh, interesting piece, and I was kind of glad that I was able to go through and cover Oshinoko in my panel that I ended up doing just by complete circum happenstance. But yeah, no, it was definitely cool to see somebody with that kind of experience in the industry kind of show us his process. And it's definitely going to be making me interested to see how his show ends up going about. Um, but in terms of the other shows that came out back in the summer, I'll kind of get these out of the way. These are the ones that I didn't end up watching. I mean, Temple, which was one, it was uh, done by the same mangaka as Grand Blue, but it was definitely a lot more rambunctious and erotic than even Grand Blue was, where they mostly had a lot of male nudity. This one was focusing on the opposite gender in this case. So it was definitely not something that I was too invested to go see, considering that Grand Blue was a good one to kick back with a beer and kind of see how the rest of the show nanigans played out. But for this one, it was kind of like, yeah... If I wanted Echi, I'll just go and, like, watch Hentai. It's like, there's not necessarily too much of a middle ground for that to happen. Um, a couple of the big sequels that ended up coming out as well, I mean, Bungo Stray Dogs ended up getting its fifth season, where apparently, even though it is a show that I dropped back in season one years and years ago, it's one of those that apparently has only gotten better with time as the series has gone on consistently, but 
if there is a show that has that similar vein to it, but one that I'm actually going to get into, since odds are I'm probably not going to get to Stray Dogs unless it ends up having a phenomenal conclusion, Golden Camus is going to be the one that I end up going through once I have the ending in sight for that series, and it'll give me an opportunity to go through and watch the northern plateaus of Japan be thrown into a chaotic rat race treasure hunt. Uh, I didn't even fucking touch Devil's a Part-Timer Season 2. It Just how piss poor that adaptation was years and years and years after its success, where it didn't have the same passion, energy, staff, team, comedy, just everything that made the first season good was just completely vacant inside of the second season. So the fact that they were out ending up putting out a new season after that was just... No, I'm just going to let that die. Kind of the same deal with Fooly Cooly, Grunge, and Shoegaze. That's going to be coming out, or at least the first half came out at the end of the summer season, and the next part's going to be coming out this fall. Same fucking deal. I'm, I might give the soundtracks to those a listen, considering it's new music from the pillows, but I'm not going to get hurt again. It's just the progressive and alternative were so fucking bad and lifeless and uninspired by comparison that I don't think I'm ever going to be touching anything related to that franchise outside of the original six episodes ever again. Uh, but something a little more positive, though, uh, Helk, which was a more comedy ga gag manga, was apparently hilarious and at times thrilling every episode through, and I, it was just something that I never necessarily caught on, and even though nothing but positive things were being said about it, it was something that I never necessarily got around to, so... Maybe it's something that I jump into in the middle of next season, but until then, I don't know. A lot of people had a lot of positive things to say about it, so I guess it was probably one of the better comedies to come out of the last season. Rurouni Kenshin also was an interesting title because I had no... I knew it was coming out, but I had no idea what, essentially, it was going to adapt. And at this point in time, it seems like not a new adaptation, but basically Rurouni Kenshin Brotherhood. It is... Something that they're going all the way back to the beginning to reanimate and readapt the whole story closer to what the original manga was, since there were a couple of deviations, as well as the fact that there was a handful of filler after everything that happened towards the Kyoto arc, and kind of like in between. Even though I do believe that the Kyoto arc was probably one of the best shonen arcs that I've seen, period. Everything else surrounding it was just very flat and uninspired and just not necessarily entertaining to any degree, but good god, that Kyoto arc was just a ridiculous clash between Shishio and the rest of his crew. It was just a phenomenal arc to watch. And I'm definitely curious to see if this show will be successful enough to continuously garner enough sequels to go through and cover as much of the manga as it has been able to up at this point. Now, in terms of Mushoku's Tensei second season, it was also something that I didn't end up watching because same deal. I haven't seen the first season, but just what I ended up hearing in passing about the second season, where season one was something where I was always on the fence about like jumping into it because even though there were a lot of problematic things and Rudius was the main character, there was seemed to be so much more about that world that seemed would be a lot f that seemed that there would be a lot for me to get invested into even regardless of its flaws. But everything that I heard about the second season was just so ridiculously petty and childish and didn't seem to have any of the spark that the first season ended up having as well. The fact that most of this season apparently revolved around 
what they refer to as the erectile dysfunction arc and their allegories between slavery, the connections that Rudius still has to the old characters and new that are just completely suspicious at best and horrifying at worst is it, just none of it made me get interested or invested or would have gotten me interested in giving the show a shot, especially with all the discourse that I heard about this show over the course of its second season, considering that if the majority of the conversation around your show is conflicting and things that consistently have to be defended and are always causing backlash and basically arguments back and forth between people who like it and dislike it and want to watch it and don't want to watch it, and the fact that the majority of this conflict is the thing that gets talked about the most about your series, then it makes it incredibly difficult for anybody remotely interested about giving it a try, any kind of opportunity to jump in. But now, at the very least, I can jump into the shows that I actually did watch. So, at the very least, uh, Ahsoka was great. I understand, like, this will be the only, like, non-anime thing that I'll go through and jump into, where I thought it was a good piece. The only thing is that I definitely had to do some reading to catch up, since I never did end up watching Star Wars Rebels. And basically, Ahsoka, in this case, was the unofficial live-action fifth season of the Rebels TV show. So, it was definitely difficult to kind of, like, go through and get invested into most of these characters that I hadn't seen before. But they did do a good job with introducing a lot of the ideas that Filoni was able to go through and explore inside of that series, and seeing all of the people that they were able to bring back for not necessarily homages, but pieces that they were able to go through and bring us into the worlds that most people hadn't necessarily seen. But also just give you more context and perspective about Rebels, about the Clone Wars, about basically everything revolving around Ahsoka. And seeing what they were able to potentially do with the new threat that could potentially disrupt the balance of the galaxy that Filoni was able to go through and bring into animation all those years ago, it was definitely amazing to kind of see what they were able to accomplish with this season as a whole. Uh, but in terms of the anime that I watched, um, my partner recommended us getting into Vending Machine, which was honestly a show that was fun for the first couple of episodes, and it was like great to see the different ways that you were able to go through and what Boxo was able to do with the different kind of forms that he would be able to take, how that adjusts with the economy surrounding him in any of the towns that he goes to visit, and what kind of ideas that he's able to do that even though he is just simply a handful of vending machines, how that is able to go through and defeat and be a required and outstanding help for any kind of mob or any kind of monster that the majority of the crew ended up getting in the face. But the fact of the matter is that not only is this going to be getting a second season, but it definitely seems like the vending machine, who literally cannot speak in full human sentences, is getting a harem, was just a fucking ridiculous piece for me to at least come to grips with. And the fact that if anybody is going through and it's just like, sorry man, you just have less Riz and less than a, of a chance with women than a vending machine is kind of just like a ridiculously dark, like, backhanded set that the show was basically going through and trying to bring into its slight but readily apparent wish fulfillment. Um, and then what I recently ended up finishing was the two-part conclusion to the second season of Bleach's A Thousand Year Blood War arc. Compared to the bombastic return that the first season was able to accomplish with all of these characters and all of the ways that it was able to go through 
and revitalize the energy that the old series was able to convey. The second season, while the threats got greater and the characters that they introduced were more powerful than most of the things that we have been able to see over the course of Bleach's entire run, that didn't necessarily translate to it being any more bombastic or, to me, have any more impact towards the rest of it. I mean, I did like Brushman's powers and what he is able to accomplish, and the sound design behind him was able to give his scenes much more impact than you would have been able to go through on its own, but it just didn't have any of the same, you know, triumphant return or energy or feeling that the first half of the season was able to convey. Especially with just kind of like focusing on these new threats and these new characters, as Bleach does. Bleach's cast is just way too fucking bloated and way too large for its own good. So it did a decent job with some of its villains, but then the fact that they're going to be taking the majority of the main characters that we have, or at least that we know, and not necessarily doing a lot with them over the course of the 13 episodes that we did end up getting to see, it definitely kind of lost its edge. I mean, besides Kenpachi, he was probably the biggest threat and the biggest wow moments out of anything that happened in this season. But everything else surrounding him definitely did not live up to anything that he was able to go through. Especially with the fact that he got bodied so, like, off-screen in the first season, and then in the second season, they kind of just, he just falls, and then it's just kind of like, oh, cool. So, he at least he did have a badass moment for that to at least take center stage in the majority, like, through the majority of these fights, but it's just everything else besides that definitely was just kind of watered down and went back to the same Bleach- Uno reverse card formula that happened in every single fight and every single major part of every other season. So, yes, there were bombastic moments, but the majority of it was so average towards the rest that even though I slightly liked the first season better, the second season was definitely not able to give it as much energy or as much bombast towards the majority of the season as a whole. Uh, but something on the lighter side. Uh, we got the, like, in-between season, like a 1.5 or a 0.5 or something along those lines for, like, Horamiya, where they did end up going all the way to the end of the manga at the first season. There was way more content that they were able to adapt in that case, so they basically just put those off to the side and then did kind of like a compilation sort of season of all the things that happened in between the story and all the tiny vignettes and relationships and character dynamics and that was kind of the problem where it's like you didn't necessarily know what you were going to get. Uh, my partner loved Remy, but Remy was so vacant inside of this season that she was squealing every time she came on screen. But that she was only in there for like three or four episodes of the season, so there wasn't necessarily much that you could do there. Although I will admit, in the time that I've gotten into a relationship between the first season and the second season of Horamiya... <laughs> watching the episode where Miyamura and Hori go back and forth on the dumbest shit and the stupidest arguments that Hori completely and wholeheartedly started on her own, but she is inflicting so much self and mental pain and she's blaming all of that on Miyamura and there's just nothing he can do about it considering that she's just so stubborn and blockheaded and she's just going to hold out and completely ruin her day and everybody else's day around her because she's just so angry was just like, oh my god, 
as that was going forward it sucks like that when you're stuck in that kind of like a headspace it does like really create a lot of unfortunate circumstances but i was just laughing my ass off at just how down to earth and real these interactions were and then just like pouring one out for my dude Miyamura because like he was just on the receiving end of all of this completely unwarranted and unnecessary backlash for the smallest of reasons and altercations that at that point where literally all she has to do is apologize and feeling that oh no he's gonna hate me for the rest of my life and it was just so oh it was just so familiar and so hilarious at that point where just that episode alone was more than enough for me to at least bring out like a really positive and core memory about this show and so I'm definitely going to be keeping that for the rest of it but Outside of it, if you liked the characters in the first season, you were definitely going to like this season anyways, so that was just kind of like all there was to it. I did like a handful of the other moments that they ended up going through and sprinkling out towards the rest of the season, but to be fair, at the end, it was more Horemia, and I really did enjoy that and seeing all the core characters come together at that point to make something that was a nice break in between every week. I also got to pour one out to everybody down at Bug Films because I just don't know... What is happening over there? I understand that you are a new studio and this is your first work, but you were supposed to become... You were supposed to destroy the old destructive habits of the anime industry, not reuse them. You were supposed to bring these poor souls that came out of OLM into the light, not cast them back into darkness. It was just after the phenomenal basically short film that you could do of the first episode that everybody was unanimously praising and all of the stuff that was coming out about how the really shitty company that Akira was coming out of they literally fucking photo scanned their offices out at OLM and then put it into the first episode to even give this a bigger middle finger and a fuck you to all of their hierarchies and upper bosses that were basically running them around like pack mules and like treating them like less than human only for all of that to come back around and put them in the exact same place that they were before they started all of this was just such an incredibly like tragic way for that to go. Because at this point, Zom 100 was able to get up to episode 9. Now the three episodes, the final three episodes are just put on indefinite hiatus. If I had to guess, they will come out in December or January. But it's just the fact that they weren't able to get all 12 episodes out and half of the episodes that they put out now all had to be delayed a day for them to just get out the door due to production issues. And then even though they got a free week, considering that their time slot was being taken up by a world championship sport, only for them to still have to do a recap episode and still lose a week and their time slot towards the rest of it because of their poor production hurdles good god it was just sad like there was just nothing was going right for them especially with the fact that they didn't get their opening sequence done until the 10th week and they had to like go through original reused footage for most of the first like part of the first opening just everything that could have gone wrong went wrong with them and now it's going to be months before we see the conclusion of our efforts. So, besides all of that, it's a good show. 
I really do like ZOM 100. I really did enjoy the manga. I love the dynamic that once we finally got the whole squad together, that basically their chemistry was almost like perfect. It did take a couple of times for Shizuku to essentially go through and have the opportunity to join in the chaos of the group that they were a part of. But seeing all of them coalesce and like becoming better people in the face of an apocalypse that essentially has just completely thrown the world into chaos that odds are it will never recover from, but it gives them the individual freedom to do all the things that they wanted to do before their lives were over is definitely more than an inspiring tale for anybody to go through. But the fact that all of the stuff surrounding the adaptation is just something can, that can be thrown back in the face of the message that it's trying to convey definitely puts a damper on the entire experience as a whole. But what they were able to accomplish with the first nine episodes was definitely a really good piece of media that I still do recommend, and I want everybody else to go through and finish it along with us once it finally has the opportunity to conclude and tell the story that it wants to tell. Now, for Jujutsu Kaisen's second season, I guess for just this episode... I'm only going to be talking about the first, what was it, five, six episodes. So basically, the prequel arc that happens with Young Gojo and Young Ghetto. I mean, just for the for the comments' sake, because I was really suspicious when they said, oh yeah, no, we have a planned four-week break lined up in the middle of our production so that the whole of the Shibuya arc that comes after this is going to be a universal uh, 17 to 18 episode stretch that won't necessarily need any delays and it's like oh yeah cool no that's totally fine except now same deal hearing about the production things the fact that they were asking their animators and animation supervisors and the majority of their staff to fucking sign NDAs about how shitty the production process is, is like also now throwing this whole series into chaos. Because I don't know when that's going to hit, because it definitely seems like they were getting off a lot fine because of that four-week break, but I don't know how long the series itself is going to be running for until it does finally hit that wall, and we start seeing a couple of things falling apart. Because we don't have the same director, although Shota Goshozono has been still doing a good job, especially with that first arc. A phenomenal piece in showing Ghetto's decline into just not insanity, but mostly depression and apathy towards basically all the people that he is supposed to protect. And seeing Toji just as that unpowered menace to everything that the Jujutsu sorcery stands for, and seeing him just body sorcerers left and right was just such a crazy antagonist to have inside of this arc. He was a phenomenal bit of energy to have towards the rest of it and to bounce off of the characters that we already know and love and hate at some points, but still. At least these first six episodes were something that I was legitimately impressed about. Also, the opening is currently my frontrunner for favorite opening of the year, so I'm really curious to see how the rest of that goes because, I mean, the second season opening that we have right now is fine. It's arguably my least favorite of the four, but that still doesn't mean it's a bad opening. It just, for me, it's just a little bit more average than the rest of the contemporaries that they have going along with it. But yeah, no, I'm really curious to see how the Shibuya arc is supposed to go, considering that it has been hyped up all to high hell, and hype does nothing but negatives for a series, especially with all of these things coming out about the production being so shit and so hellish that NDAs are coming out against the animators themselves and they are willing to get sued just to get the word out is just fucking crazy to me. I mean, 
considering with Gojo's ascent to becoming what he believes to be the Honored One, was a really great couple of episodes leading into how the rest of this went. But I'm still very concerned as to what the rest of this is going to be meaning for the adaptation and how the majority of this is going to be leading into towards the fall season. Uh, and I would say the one, probably because it was able to do this over the course of 13 episodes, and it was basically the only major show that I completed and really enjoyed with a full season of runtime, uh, was Undead Girl Murder Farce. And considering that this is directed by the same guy who ended up penning Rakugo, who ended up doing the Kaguya Love is War adaptation, just what he's able to accomplish with a little bit of a tinge of Rakugo inside of his uh, detective story was something that was incredibly entertaining from beginning to end. On top of having the opportunity to have such a ridiculously vast and diverse cast of characters from fiction and nonfiction all across history and all across cultures, it was just an amazing combination for him to at least all encapsulate inside of these handful of stories. Because, I mean, you do have the Oni and the Immortal One coming out from Japan, but then you end up having people like Arsene Lupin, you have Sherlock Holmes, you have Aleister Crowley, you have Frankenstein and Jack the Ripper and monsters and werewolves and vampires, and oh my, it was just all across the board. It was just a phenomenal cast to, like, bring all into one series. And it had detective work, it had thrillers, it had action, it had... Not necessarily a lot of romance, but basically the wit and the banter that goes across most of these characters is what Mamoru Hatakayama is known for, and it is put up on full display throughout the entire series for this. And it was just a really fun romp towards most of the stuff. I would say the vampire arc was probably a slower start than I would have expected. And it was probably my least favorite arc by comparison, but everything else leading up to London, leading up to Germany, how they were able to go through and meet in Japan in the first place, all of the stories and the characters that we were able to go through and encompass inside such a short amount of time, which we were hopefully going to be getting a second season following up afterwards, considering that yes, we ended up getting 13 episodes, but... It's not something that is fully concluded, and it is leading off on not a cliffhanger, but a lead into a future that is definitely certain as to where it is headed, but how long it is going to take us to get to that point, only time will tell. So I'm definitely curious to see how the rest of this is going to go, but if I had to pick a favorite for any of the shows that came out in the summer of 2023, Undead Girl Murder Farce would probably be the one to take that throne. So yeah, uh, definitely appreciate you for sticking around this long. I'm going to try to get Johnny and I together again so we can go through and have the opportunity to finally settle and conclude our thoughts on the live-action One Piece adaptation. Uh, after I'm done getting Skate the Infinity off of my to-watch list, probably what's going to be leading in towards after it is a couple of talks about the Owl House, something that ended up coming out... I understand months and months ago, but I do really want to get my final feelings off about it because I do think it is one of my favorite pieces of Western animation, period. I did already say that Castlevania's new season is going to be doing that, so I'm going to jump on that immediately after Skate the Infinity. Shorzy's second season is definitely going to be going through. Oh yeah, Pluto is also finally ended up getting a release date. We're going to be getting the Pluto adaptation coming out on Netflix on October 26th, so that is going to be great. And there is also going to be a new series that I'm going to be starting at some point over these next three months 
Uh, it is something that I'm going to be able to go through and look back on my past as an anime fan and what time is able to change even over just the span of a decade. What it does to a medium, what it does to an industry, and how it essentially affects something that what was not mainstream is now in the public consciousness of almost everybody leading in now into the 2020s. So hopefully I'll be able to go through and get on that started once the One Piece has reached its conclusion. At least our episode, definitely not the show. That one's going to be running for years and years, but only time will tell. All right, cheers. Have a good one. Thank you.